several weeks we've been going through a sermon series called The Nest. It's taken out of Deuteronomy 32, 11, Song of Moses, where it says, As the eagle stirreth up her nest and hovers over her young, so the Lord has his way in our life. And we've looked at lots of things, and uh, as we walk through this sermon series, we've gained some interesting insight into what God is doing in these phases in our life. Basically, we've come to realize that we are living life from one nest to the next. But God knows that we were not designed for the status quo, so He intentionally stirs up our nest to get us to the next place. We've looked at some sermons dealing with complication through the life of Moses. How his nest in Egypt became very complicated. Then we looked at the nest of refuge when he fled to Midian. And then we looked at the nest of status quo after, after, how after 40 years, after 40 years, Moses was on a journey to the next level. Then we looked at a sermon dealing with obedience and how God wants us to walk in obedience. And then last Easter Sunday morning, we looked at a sermon dealing with the nest of victory. So as we begin to draw a close and begin to move towards the end of this series, what is God saying to you? You may remember last summer we looked at a, a, a series, what was Cusela Biblia, what is the Bible saying? And uh, today I want us to look at it that way. We've been through all of these sermons, five sermons so far. What is God saying to you? What are you hearing him speak to your heart? There's three more sermons that I want to share with you to wrap this up. Today, I want to talk to you about the stirring of the world's nest globally. Next week, we want to look at a message dealing with the stirring of the nest in the church. And then the last one, when God stirs your nest personally. And so today as we look at this, we see that God is in every move of our life. Israel made many moves. God was bringing them from place to place, but yet each place had been strategically prepared for them as they moved towards the promised land. I want to give you a little whiplash this morning, so to speak, theologically, because I want to go from... The book of Exodus, where we've been, I mean the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, to the book of 2 Peter, the epistle of 2 Peter. And here's what he's saying here. As we look at this, we realize that God moved on nations to make this happen. For God to move Israel out of Egypt, he stirred up the world. He stirred up more than just Israel. He stirred up Egypt. He stirred up the Amorites, the Persites, the Canaanites, and a few otherites. He stirred up many nations on the world stage as he was bringing his children out of bondage into the land that had been promised, the land that was flowing with milk and honey, the place that he had prepared for that nation to dwell. That was the Old Testament picture of what was happening. Now, what is the Bible saying to us 
The Bible is saying in Deuteronomy 32, 11, that as an eagle stirs up her nest so that her little baby eaglet cannot live in there forever, that it has to get out and learn a new life skill, and that's called flying. When you think about that in that context, God is saying to us some interesting dynamics. That I am going to intentionally stir up your nest. If you read the song of Moses in the book of Exodus, which took place right after they escaped Egypt, it has a whole different feel to it than it does in the book of Deuteronomy. Because you see, the eagle part in the nest was not in that earlier song. I believe Moses had to get all the way to the end of his life to 120 years of age. And looking back on his life, he looked over the corridor of history of his life and he said, Yep, that was God. Mm, uh-huh, yeah, that was God. Well, yeah, yeah, he had to kick me out of that nest in Midian. And he looked back over his life from nest to nest to nest and he realized that God loved him so much that he moved him from a place of luxury to a place of destiny. So what does that mean for us? Well, in the context today, we was thinking about that. I was singing about that last song as we were singing it. You have saved me. You are stronger. You are powerful. You are mighty. And while we as Christians may be wringing our hands not knowing what's going to happen next, can I tell you that God is not. God is not up in the third heaven wringing his hands saying, Oh my goodness, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? Can we pull this thing out? The Bible says in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness. But he wished that none should perish, but all come to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we've been looking at how God was bringing Egypt out of slavery into the land of the land that had been promised. In the New Testament paradigm, God is bringing us out, maybe not of physical slavery, but we are living in spiritual slavery and bondage to the devil, and he owns our soul, and God is wanting to bring us out of that spiritual bondage into the place of our spiritual heritage that God has destined us to be. Do you want to know what the will of God is? Everybody wants to know what the will of God is. Here's one of them, that none should perish but that all should come to salvation knowledge. That's the will of God. It's the will of God that you should not spend eternity in hell. You are not created to spend your life and all of eternity separated from God. Last night in the sermon, we looked at a message that someone had sent me. And in that message, he said, In my older years of life, I have come to realize two main mistakes I have made. I realize that life here is very short and eternity is very long. And I'm afraid that I have spent most of my life investing in a place that is really short instead of investing in a place that is forever. The Bible says that a day is of a thousand years and a thousand years is as of one day to the Lord in the previous verse. 
You say, explain that. Well, I could put it in an illustration for you this way. If a hummingbird went to the east coast and picked up a beak full of sand and flew it all the way to the west coast and deposited it and then flew all the way back to the east coast and did that again enough times till he had completely moved the east coast to the west coast, it would have only have been one minute in eternity. You say, that ain't true. Well, you prove otherwise. A day is a thousand years. That's a pretty long day. A thousand years is as of one day. We're wringing our hands saying, God, what will I do with my life? And God's saying, just wait, I want to show you something. Just wait, I want to show you something. When we look at this today, Peter is saying, I am going to stir you up. Look at what it says right here in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, dear friends, this is now the second letter I've written to you. That I might awaken you. If you look up that word and awaken, it means to provoke or stir. That I might stir you up. That I might stir you up. That you understand with a, with a reminder so that you can remember the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the commandments of our Lord and Savior through your apostles. And he goes into this. And so there's several things that I want us to look at today. Number one. I'd like for you to write this down, that God has stirred up the nest of creation. God has stirred up the nest of creation. You can write this passage of scripture down. You don't have to turn there for the sake of time. But in the book of Romans, Paul writes it this way to the church of Rome in chapter 8. Now, I know we love Romans chapter 8 because that's that verse where it says, that if we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us with groanings that we cannot understand. We love that verse in Romans chapter 8 that it says, For all things work together of the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But if you back up into Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are nothing compared to what God is going to reveal in us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to the futility, not willing, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children." For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. You ever spent much time on these verses? Do you realize that after Adam and Eve sinned that the whole creation fell under a curse? The Bible says that from that day until now it has been groaning with wanting to bring back the former glory. You see, God stirred up the whole nest of creation where there was no need for rain because every day a dew just settled on the ground in the perfect amount where there was no need for pesticide, insecticide, or herbicides because it was the perfect dynamic in a perfect environment. But in order for God to get Adam and Eve back to God and to turn their attention back to him, the whole nest of the earth, all of creation was stirred up. 
and it groans. Matter of fact, it groans to have the glory restored back to it so that God may draw all men unto him. God stirred it up. The second thing we see about this, this stirring of the world's nest, the global nest, is that God is stirring up the nest of kingdoms. The Bible says this, please hang on so you don't get whiplash. In Matthew 24, just write this down, verse 5, it says this, that nation shall rise up against nation. Nation will rise up against nation. And it's doing all of these things. And it says this, it goes on and says, it will be kingdoms against kingdoms. Kingdoms against kingdoms, nations against nations. As we may be sitting back wringing our hands saying, oh my goodness, what happened with all of the atrocities with the Taliban? What's happening in Syria? What's happening in Damascus? What's happening in North Korea? What's happening in Russia? What's happening around the world? Can I tell you today that God has not called an emergency meeting of the triunity of God saying, what in the world are we going to do? No, I'm telling you something that God said this. Jesus, it's red letters in your Bible in case you were wondering. Jesus said, before the Son of Man comes back, know this, a nation will rise up against nation kingdoms will rise up against kingdoms God says I'm gonna stir some stuff up why because I'm trying to draw all men unto me I'm trying to bring people from the earthly kingdom into the heavenly kingdom are you picking up what I'm putting down this morning God's stirring up the global theater Leaders don't know what to do. They don't know whose side's on whose side. They don't know who to align themselves with. Do we align ourselves with China? Do we, who do we align ourselves with? Who do we get to be our, our, our spokesperson? God says, I'm going to stir up the global theater because I am willing that none should perish, but that all should come to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm not slack. Concerning my promises. If you read between chapter 3 verse 1. And where we are in chapter 3 and verse 9. There's a lot of things that happen. Matter of fact. Peter addresses you know for the whole time. There's been scoffers that have been saying. Well when's he going to come back? He said he was going to come back. He hadn't come back yet. He must not be coming back. He must have forgot what time it is. He must have forgot that we're down here. And then Peter uh, lays out. He says you remember how the earth stood out of the water and then it was covered with water. And then God said, I'll never cover it with water again. Why did God cover it with water? Because he was stirring up creation, stirring up the world, stirring up leaders to try to move them towards him, move them towards him. God said, I'm willing that none should perish. Does that mean that people are going to perish? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does that mean that everybody's going to heaven? No, it does not. Because a person has to accept the finished work of Calvary and what God has done in their hearts and lives. Not only is God stirring up the nest of creation and the nest of kingdoms, but he's stirring up the nest of nature. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, part B. Right after he says nations will rise up against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, he says, and then there will be earthquakes and famines and pestilence like you have never, ever seen.
before. I was walking past somebody today early in the morning. And uh, they were talking about it was a little cool out. And there was this person there that the nurses would have looked at and said, well, they were, he's probably just an old kook talking out of his head, sitting in his wheelchair. They were talking about somebody asked the nurse and said, why is it so cold outside? And this guy sitting in the wheelchair said, because the Bible said it would be. All right. It says in the last days you won't know what season it is. For God's going to stir up the nest of nature. And storms will come and storms will go and earthquakes will happen and tsunamis will happen. And all of these things are going to happen. Why? Because God is moving us towards Him. And He's using creation to do it. He's using kingdoms to do it. He's using nations to do it. The sad part is He isn't using most churches to do it. Oh my, that's meddling. Let me move on. Isn't it sad that God has to go to the world to find somebody to be his advocate, to be his spokesperson, to be his ambassadors? I think about what they told the, the Pharisees and scribes told Jesus as he was riding his little donkey into town on that triumphal entry day. And they said, please tell them to stop crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus said, I can, but if I do, the rocks will start shouting it. God will stir up. God has stirred up the nest of creation. He has stirred up the nest on the global scene. And he will stir up the nest of nature. Because God is drawing men to him. Men to him. While we're wringing our hands wondering what's going to happen. God is drawing people to him. I love what it says in Romans chapter 1 where it talks about the creation. The one who created the creation. And people began to worship the creation more than the creator. And how God can use the very creation to draw people back to him. God's heart has been stirred for us. God's heart has been stirred for us. It's stirred for people in every country, of every tribe, of every race. God's heart has been stirred. So write these three things down as we wrap up. What is the Bible saying to me? Pastor, what does all this mean to me? Well, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and 10, For the Lord shall come like a thief in the night, as he is stirring up the world. The Bible says this in 2 Peter chapter 3. He lays it out very interestingly. In verse 10, it says, The heavens will pass away, with a loud noise, and the elements will burn and be dissolved. But the earth and its works on it will be disclosed. Since all things are to be destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people we ought to be. Holy. What is the Bible saying to us? What is it saying to us? God is the creator of the commotion. You say, that's my problem with Christianity. You're going to tell me a loving God would allow these kind of things to happen? 
I'm not telling you he's making them happen. He's not stopping them from happen, happening. And in some cases, God used creation, creatures, to bring people to salvation. I read a story just yesterday. In a Muslim nation, there was this guy who was in a little village, and, and he was waiting to, <clears throat> he was in a home. They found out he was a Christian, and they stoned him, left him for dead. This group of believers found him, brought him into their village, began to bring him back to health and nurture him and sustain him. And they found out that he was living in that village, and Muslim extremists came to kill him. And when they grabbed him and began to bring him out of the streets to kill him, you know what happened? Three lions came into the city and put the terrorists on the run. God used lions to deliver a prophet from the clutches of death. They asked him what he thought about it, and he said, My God delivers again. My God delivers again. God is stirring up the commotion in the global climate because he's preparing his bride to make herself ready. God is stirring up the commotion is what the Bible is saying. He's the creator of it. What is the Bible saying to you personally? I believe that he is saying he is coming for you. He is coming for you. Will you be ready? Will you love his appearing? I've shared this story before, and I know you don't like it. I remember that one time that I got suspended from school, and, man, I went home, and, uh, man, I loved my dad, and my dad loved me, but I did not love his appearing on that day. <laughs> Do you love the appearing of the Lord? Do you wait for it with great anticipation? What is the Bible saying to you? He's saying that he is not slack as some count slackness. But he's willing for none to perish. But all to come to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing. What does the Bible want you to do about this stirring of the global nest? He wants you to turn to him. Turn to him. He wants you to turn to him the bible says this and i quit reading it says how then shall we live if we know that he fulfilled his promise to noah and everything worked out like he said and he's keeping his promises today if we know that all things are working to this to this great apex to this wonderful accumulation of him being the bridegroom and we being the bride and them two coming together and this great uh, spiritual event if we know that he's coming again for the church then what shall we do Peter says live holy he says I'm determined that I'm going to provoke you to holiness I'm not going to lower the standard I'm not going to lower the standard so to see if you can slide into heaven how low can you go no 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 I want to raise the standard of holiness I want to raise the expectation of holiness I want you to understand that if he loved you enough to lay down his life for you that if one died for all that all should live then all who live should live for the one who died for all is that too much to ask is that too much to ask? Turn to him. Run to him. 
live for him. Let me read you a couple of verses in closing. 2 Peter 3 and 11 says this. He goes on and he says, Since all of these things are to be destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people we should be. Holy people in godliness. As you wait for an earnest desire, earnestly desiring the coming of the day of the Lord. In verse 12. Look at me, look with me if you would at verse 14. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait, here's what I want you to be doing. And in 14, 15, and 18, here's what he says. I want you to live a holy life. I want you to live your life on the lookout. I want you to live in peace. I want you to live in long-suffering. And I want you to live in grace. Grow in grace. Grow in grace. What does the Bible want me to do about all this? Stirring of the global nest. Turn to him, run to him, live for him. Holy, on the lookout, in peace, long-suffering, and growing in the grace of God. Because as an eagle stirreth up her nest and hovers over her young, so that somewhere between pushing that little eaglet out of the nest and face-planting on a thing called earth, it learns to overcome the law of gravity by flying. And God loves you so much that he's willing to stir up the whole world to get you to turn your eyes towards him. What a Savior. What a Savior. If he moved the whole nation of Israel to Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus, do you think he's not inclined to stir up the global dynamic to get us to turn towards him? Can I ask you this question in closing? Have you turned towards God? Have you turned towards him? Have you secured your salvation? made it right if you've made it right are you living right are you living right do you try to see how low you can bring the expectations of holiness or do you strive to live up to those expectations do you try to make God man or you try to become a man of God he's already put on the robe of flesh and become the God man one time but he will not lower his expectations to fit our standards God's calling us up that he might bring us out God is stirring up the global world as he's stirring the hearts of men and women boys and girls and turning them towards him what is he doing in your life turn to him or have you run towards him or are you living for him father in jesus name have your way in the service speak to our hearts stir us god stir us deep move in jesus name
Amen.